Welcome to the Mark Stereo Music Podcast. This podcast is an audio journal of my guests and I's adventures throughout the live and local music biz. Fun conversations, cool tunes, and good times will be had. My name is Mark Sterry, and I'm a 15-plus year veteran of the Twin Cities Minnesota Metro music scene. Check me out at Mark Sterry, that's S-T-A-R-Y, music.net. Also on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. All of my original music is available for download on iTunes, CD Baby, and most of the places you get your music online. This podcast drops every Tuesday, if not before, on iTunes, SoundCloud, and most of the places podcasts are available. If you enjoy it, please subscribe on iTunes. It's totally free and guarantees you'll never miss an episode. Got an extra buck or two? You'd mind tossing in the podcast tip jar? Please visit patreon.com forward slash Mark Starry Music Podcast. Also considering helping get the word out in the street via social media, five-star rating and review on iTunes, and or tell a friend or two. Happy Thought of the Day is by Frank Sinatra. When I sing, I believe. I'm honest. If you want to get an audience with you, there's only one way. You have to reach out to them with total honesty and humility. Thanks for tuning in and welcome to the Mark Starry Music Podcast. Enjoy! Enjoy! Welcome back to the Mark Sterry Music Podcast, episode 249. Please support this week's sponsors, 45th Parallel Distilleries, ID Chrysler, Pine City, and the B-Dale Club. Also, thanks to all the folks who contribute to this podcast on Patreon.com. Coming at you on a rainy summer day here in St. Paul, Minnesota. Excited to say that my old man gets to come home from Regents today for a short while as he waits on the U of M for updates on bone marrow transplants. Thanks to everyone for all the good vibes. Wednesday, played a solo show at Pub 42 in New Hope, Minnesota. Tried out a new guitar since I accidentally put my hand through the tack last Sunday, and it didn't do the trick. Sorry, Randy T. Thursday, played a solo show at Bistro 63 in Baronet, Wisconsin. Thanks to JD and Macklemore Corey for taking along. Great to visit again with podcast listener Lou. Good luck on the new band, man. Friday, got the jam with last week's podcast guest, Hall of Famer from the band Crow, David Wagoner. was an honor, and I hope to catch him in Sturgis. Saturday, played a private show for Burnett County Sheriff in Grantsburg and it was hot. Then Brian K. Johnson myself rocked out at Vanelli's by the lake where a tornado happened to blow through, knocked out all the power, and we were done. Sunday jammed a fun show with buddy Jason Sargent for the band County Line at the Mix-Up in Avery, Wisconsin. Got hired for an extra hour, so he must have done something right. Upcoming shows. Wednesday, July 22nd, 2020, I'll be playing a solo show at Pub 42 in New Hope, Minnesota from 7.30 to 9.30 p.m. Friday, July 24th, I'll be playing a solo show at Danny's in Stillwater, Minnesota from 6 to 9 p.m. Saturday, July 25th, Brian K. Johnson and myself will be rocking the poop deck at Petey Pappy's in Stillwater, Minnesota from 3 to 6 p.m. Sunday, July 26th, Brian K. Johnson and myself will again will be rocking Biker Sunday at the Mix-Up in Amory, Wisconsin from 2 to 5 p.m. It's part one of two with owner of Skyland Productions and vocalist for the Blenders, Darren Rust. We talk Home Free and Company's new production of Glee Greenwood's God Bless the USA, mastering techniques, and more. Enjoy the conversation.
Mr. Darren Rust, owner of Skyland Productions and vocalist of The Blenders. Welcome to the Mark Sterry Music Podcast. How are you doing today there, Darren? Great. Thanks for having me. I uh, just met Darren about two seconds ago, and I'm asking about mastering tips right here. Um, what do you think of when people get it done for like 10 bucks on iTunes, mastering? Well, I don't know if... Does iTunes have a service? I haven't heard about that. But. Yes, they have it called Bounce Cloud or something like that. It's like... Oh. It's like nine bucks. I don't know. You know, there's a. I know there's a couple other ones out there. I know Lander is out there. I tried that, and um, you know, I suppose it's doing what needs to be done. But there is something about the human ear that can pick out things that maybe a machine can't. Yeah, um, I've actually heard La- a product from Lander, and I was kind of indifferent about it. It was like. Okay, it didn't seem to knock my socks off or anything, but um, you know they're they're taking a service that a lot of people don't understand, and they're providing it for you know right before release. You know, iTunes is now, you know, you can release your own music, so it's probably a good service for many people. But I still feel like, I mean, I'm actually. Uh, quite busy as a mastering engineer now. I don't. I, it's not what I got into the business to do, but I've started to learn how to do it over the years, just because people need it done, and I know that it's an important step. So, but I still love giving my material that I've produced and mixed to a professional uh, mastering uh, person that I really trust. So the the automatic thing, it's filling a gap, but I don't know. I gotcha. Uh, so, like, for let's say my grandmother is listening, what is mastering? And people ask me all the time, like, oh, I got to get this song mastered. So, how would you describe what mastering is to like someone that doesn't know? Well, mastering is just the fine, the fine, the final touches on your two-track mix. A two-track mix means a left-right stereo mix that you get on a CD or a, a downloaded file or a streamed your final product. Um, and typically mastering was super important and still is important, but was super important when you could only get it music on uh, a CD, you know, and you needed to take all these different mixes and balance them together so that they exist on one medium uh, for the listener. You know, some mixes may be loud, some may be a little softer, some may be bassy, some may be a little tinny sounding, and they all need to... They'll have their sound, but they need to sort of be balanced uh, from an EQ standpoint and from a gain standpoint so that the listener can put the CD in, listen to it from beginning to end, and not have to be turning the volume up and down or adjust the EQ. That's kind of what it's for. But now, um, you know, it's it's um, not as important because, you know, people are taking one song and you're just streaming one song. So, um but it's. I still like to do it because I still, as a mix engineer, know to mix songs with just that little bit of headroom left so that you can expand it a little more, raise that overall volume, and I like to call it energy, so that you can, a mastering engineer has a little room to boost it up a little more, you know? It's kind of a leveling kind of process. So let's say one of my favorite guitar players is Eric Clapton. Do you have a favorite mastering engineer that you have emulated or even a local one? Like I always go to Greg Ryerson to do my mastering for years and years from Rare Forum Mastering in Minneapolis. But who's some of your favorite mastering people, I guess? You know, it's like uh, 
for years, I was going down to uh, Bernie Grunman Mastering in Hollywood, and there's a guy named Chris Bellman there that I was introduced to, and uh, we've become friends, and he's done a lot of stuff for me over the years. He would be known as probably more of the purest mastering engineer, meaning his philosophy was always like, if you give me a mix, I'm going to preserve the sound of that mix as much as I can, meaning I'm not going to, you're not going to get a product that sounds completely different which I really respected because I always felt like I really loved my mixes and I didn't want them coming back sounding like all different. And believe it or not, even in a two track world, you can change the sound of a mix. You can change the width. You can change the um, perceived volume of certain things with uh, spatial uh, widening and things like that. And, and uh, you know, mid side compression and EQ and, and, uh, I've gotten masters back that have sounded so different that I'm like, what happened? I, I, I don't like what I'm hearing. The mix is different. I hear different things, you know. So um, Chris Bellman always felt like I always trusted him because he was that purist. It came back sounding like I expected, but a little bit clearer. Reading up about 45th Parallel Distillery's dinner at By the Willow in Chippewa Falls coming up on Monday, August 10th. Will be a dinner centered around 45th Parallel Distillery. A four-course dinner paired with some fine homegrown spirits. Get your tickets now. 45th Parallel is a family-owned craft distillery in New Richmond, Wisconsin. They opened their doors in 2007 and went from making a single vodka to producing dozens of different spirits including gins, whiskeys, and citrus liqueurs. 45th Parallel Distillers are committed to a slow craft philosophy, slow fermentation, slow infusion, slow distillation, slow blending, slow aging. Their mission is to create high-quality spirits using local ingredients whenever possible and provide visitors with a great experience. Stop in and check them out at 1570 Madison Avenue, New Richmond, Wisconsin. Check out 45thparalleldistillery.com for hours and more information. So when you're looking for a quality alcoholic to enjoy while listening to your favorite local artists, try a 45th Parallel Distillery product. You won't be disappointed. Please drink responsibly. A little bit warmer, a little bit, you know, just a little bit more ah to it, you know, and a little louder, but not louder in the sense that you've squashed it so hard that all of a sudden I'm hearing so many things I don't want to hear. So uh, and then there's a guy that I started using when I worked with Home Free, and that was Adam Ann. And I was able to go and sit in on his session the first time that uh, we used him. And um, he He's an amazing guy. He's got an incredible ear. He's another one of those guys that is, uh, I wouldn't call him the purist because he's not afraid to take it someplace where it feels musically it needs a little something. You know, if, it, if it's lacking or something needs to be done, he's not afraid to to go in there and, and work it a little bit. So, and usually everything that comes out of his camp just sounds like they belong together. And, um, it's really quite an amazing uh, skill set to, to really get that down, you know. I mean, me as a mix engineer, I've always felt like I the mixes, even today with technology, I can mix to the point where it sounds like it's mastered and ready to go. But these guys figure out a way to just sneak a little more love out of it, and I just love that about them. Yeah, I've always kind of described it as as making it radio friendly. Where like if you play one song on the radio, they play one, it'll it'll match up. I guess making right. it sound professional. I yep. guess and it's it, kind of and, a, you know. And of course, with radio, um, radios have companders, limiters, and all kinds of EQ automatic 
type of uh, stuff that they run it through. So by the time it goes over the air, it's if there are any changes between song to song, those machines are are basically leveling them out anyway. Huh. So in the end, um, I've had, uh, oh, I should also mention um, John Mayfield at Mayfield Mastering in Nashville is also extremely talented. Um, he's a guy that I trust. Um, I've worked with him for years as well. Um, but he he would say that he was, we have, we've had probably the most dialogue about mastering. And he says that if you, if you give a more open dynamic mix to radio, it will sound better. Now that's debatable depending on the frequency content that you have, the energy, low frequency energy and stuff like that. But in general, I think it's thought that a more open mix will sound a little better on radio because they're going to mass, they're going to sort of level it, squash it a little more so you get more signal over the airwaves. So, but I remember back in the day when I first heard the, my first project on the radio, every, the, it was a blender thing. The, uh, I don't remember what it was, but it sounded terrible on the radio and I was just crushed. This was back in the 90s. And I was like, wow, do I have a lot to learn? So um, it, it was all machinery that it went through. And of course, whatever I did was it was definitely not working. And, <laughs> you know, I was so crushed. And I thought, well, there, you know, that was like set me off on this journey, you know, in the early 90s to to really find out what this what this is mixing and mastering. Wow. Very, very interesting. Uh, well, Darren, I reached out to you after um, I've been a fan of the blenders and I have a bunch of questions about some of your your blenders career and some of the cool things you've even done just within this last year or so. On the 4th of July, you guys released, you're talking about Home Free, released a version of God Bless the USA, a, rever- a remake of the Lee Greenwood classic song. And you even had Lee on there and yeah. had the Home Free band singing of the U.S. Air Force band, the singing sergeants, I think they're called. I watched that video about that on your Facebook as well, kind of the making of that song. But I definitely kind of wanted to get an inside perspective of what it was like to work with Lee Greenwood and and how this all came about and how you got hooked up with Home Free and that kind of thing. Well, um, I got hooked up with Home Free actually years and years ago, uh, back when I lived, I want to say back when I lived in, I have to go back. How many years has it been? <laughs> I've lived here and had this studio for about 14 and a half years or so. It was roughly that long, probably, that I met Home Free and I mixed a couple projects for them. And then they went on the sing-off and won that contest, the, the same contest that Pentatonix won. And after that, they came back to me and said, "We, you know, we're going to do our first big release on Columbia. Would you be a part of it? Um, they had me come in and just be the recording engineer. They actually weren't interested in having me mix it or do much more than just record them. So I was like, it was a limited involvement that I had. Um, they had met some people on the show, and so they had some other guys lined up. But as time went on and the years went on, uh, I ended up being kind of their producer, arranger, and sixth member. So uh, it's like now it's like a full-time thing for me to arrange uh, record, mix, and, and master these guys. So um, it's quite a journey we've taken. But they, they're they constantly 
looking for these collaborations, uh, trying to hook up with other country artists and release things. Um, and they, uh, they've been working on Lee Greenwood for a while to uh, do a rendition of God Bless the USA, which is a, a song they released before, I want to say five years ago, maybe. Well, I had to get the brakes done on the Jeep this week. Got almost 90,000 miles on her already. But after a quick fix, I'm back up and rocking the highway from gig to gig in my black Jeep Cherokee I got from ID Chrysler, Pine City, Minnesota. With 250,000 miles in my old car, was just too much for the poor thing to take. I found myself looking for my new dream ride at ID Chrysler, Pine City, and the staff could have been more helpful with me choosing a vehicle and willing to work with my, as I call it, musician's credit score. Their philosophy is simple, time-saving, hassle-free, fair price. Check out their inventory at idcdjr.com or take the beautiful drive up 35 to 715 Northridge Court, Northwest Pine City, Minnesota, to visit them in person. Business hours are Monday through Thursday, 8 to 6 p.m., and Friday and Saturday, 8 to 5 p.m., closed on Sundays. Check out ID Chrysler Pine City today and enjoy a safe summer season full of adventures and memories out in the open road in a new ride. Um, and I believe that Chris Rupp, the original founding member, I think arranged it. And so when they finally got the the thumbs up from Lee Greenwood, they said, D, you gotta, we're going to do this. Can you, you know, kind of spruce up this arrangement? So I went back in the studio and tweaked a few things and uh, did a few special things here and there and uh, prepared it for this new release. And, um, and then of course I had the opportunity, opportunity to go down to Nashville and record them, which was amazing. Um, and he was the coolest guy, of course, and um, just absolutely dedicated to this song and loves this song and, you know, and never gets sick of it. And he was just so happy to do it. And, um, yeah, it was amazing. And I, and, you know, at the time that I was, uh, had heard that we were going to work with them, I didn't even know that the singing sergeants were also involved. It was a, many days later that I realized, oh, and these guys are doing it too. So, <laughs> so there was all this like, oh, well, I might be going to Washington, D.C. to help record these guys. Well, as it turns out, COVID kind of got in the way and it was just easier for me not to go to record the singing sergeants. So they ended up recording themselves. They have their own studio and, and they're very skilled over there. So they recorded themselves and then sent me the files. So all, all in all, it was an amazing experience to see this thing get released and have millions of views now. I don't know where, where it's at, but um, it really, really took off. It seems almost viral. I was playing a show in Breezy Point, Minnesota on the 4th of July. I mean, and they, that's all I heard about there at the beer gardens everywhere. Is like, have you heard the new Lee Greenwood version of God Bless America? And I said, yeah, I, that's why I messaged. I said, yeah, the guy that produced it is going to be on the podcast next week. <laughs> so, that's like, yeah, they were, they were all talking about that. So one thing that was interesting, so I was prepping for this as well, is that out of the age in Nashville of all, because I did, I wrote for a publishing company down there for like ten years, and have always done that stuff. But like, where you got the the meetups and the co-writes and all that kind of stuff, that Lee Greenwood just penned this song himself, and it sounds yeah. like just an icon. Like I believe one of the members of Home Free even said, it's like a, just another, it's like another national anthem for the United States. It seems like it is. It is. He he right from the heart. He said and. Uh, he said he was from he grew up on a farm and he says you have a you have a direct connection to the land there's something real special and i i actually felt that as well because 
I grew up in a farm uh, near Fargo, North Dakota, and um, you know we were crop farmers and we were plowed the fields and did all that stuff. And uh, so this song actually hits me as well. In fact, I in that little interview with Lee, I told him about how I went into the studio to sort of retool the arrangement. And I'm just in the booth uh, recording myself. I've got a little station and I'm just wailing away on a couple parts and I'm, I'm actually getting emotional just singing this song, you know, in singing the, uh, the, the high point of the song. And I step back and go, wow, get it together, you know, like, come on, <laughs> you know, and you, there's something that happens when you get emotional from music. It, it makes it really hard to sing. So I'm in there just kind of slapping myself, just come on, you got to get this done. Stop getting so emotionally moved by this, you know? Yes. And especially for a person that's doing like engineering work and recording all the time, it's got to be a really good song to hit you here in the cigarettes, you know, because you've heard everything under the sun, I'm sure. Yeah. And even well after it was done, I saw the video a bunch of times and then I just would show somebody else. And then all of a sudden I'm, they're getting emotional and I'm getting emotional and it's just, you know, maybe it's the times that we're in right now. It just it's hitting home. But yeah. So when Lee was in the studio with you, was it his idea to kind of wait till the very end of the song for everyone to land on on the one, the big one note? Because he was even saying in that video, he goes, hey, we, everything lands in the tonic. How about I do this and stretch it out or whatever? And was that yeah. his idea? Well, we had the arrangement existed already. So he had to somewhat conform the way he would normally sing it because when he's doing it he has to hold down the melody and he'd make phrasing adjustments so he could breathe properly whenever he performed it live so but there were moments that we needed the melody to follow the the background vocals so we we asked him to to sing a certain way and he's like oh okay well i usually take a breath here let's punch in so that i can continue that phrase you know and so some of it was ours and some of it you know, we just said, look, I think we have what we what we need here. Um, I kept a couple takes and was able to edit. But we said, we have video. We have a cameraman. Can we have you run through it a few times with the camera in the booth with you? I want to tell you all one of my favorite bars in the Roseville slash St. Paul, Minnesota area. The B. Dale Club, located on the corner of County Road B. And Dale's motto is a place for family, a place for friends, a place for fun. And that is the truth. The food at T-Bird's Cafe and Takeaway is always spectacular. I've been so super busy lately the last few weeks. I've had zero B-Dale time, and it's bumming me out. Rob, Natalie, Shelley, and the entire bar staff are all state-of-the-art cocktail wizards. I've been told that I've been talked about on these podcast ads. The Waller's Woodhill Cocktails are selling like hotcakes, karaoke, live music, pool table, pull tabs, bingo nights, bocce ball tournaments, and much, much more. B-Dale's got it all. Stop by for a cold one soon. Sure, sure, he said. And just why don't you just go ahead, get up on the mic, sing it like you're doing it. And we actually caught him singing some of the most amazing stuff on those takes. We just <laughs> have to hitting record. I thought I caught that, too, that you guys end up using, right? Yes. When it was filmed. I thought I caught that, too, when I was just watching it just before I even he was coming on here right now. I thought that was pretty cool. You got that on camera. Yes. And he he just he said, I, I've never had so much freedom on my own song. You know, I other people are holding down the melody. I can ad lib. And he did some amazing ad libs. Um, one of those video takes, he went and sang that high note at the end. And we just looked at each other and went, 
that's the one right there. We're keeping that. <laughs> so always, that's, you know, if there's any uh, thing you can glean from this, it's always be recording. Absolutely. I got to ask you, how do you go about in an arrangement like that, or really any of the songs I'm going to ask you about here too, how do you start off with like a vocal pad, like making the chords and stuff with other vocals? How do you set that all up to for the melody to be sung over there, like the bass and mid, whatever? How do you go about doing that or even writing that? Um, well, oops. Um, You're a vocal performance major from Moorhead, right? So you probably went to school for this, but I just have no clue. You know, um, arranging for me is maybe a little different than like, I don't know, educated musicians. I, I, I am somewhat educated, but uh, was a terrible student of music, to be honest. I, I really just wanted to get out there and do it. So I became really an ear musician over the years. And, um, you know, I just, what I'll do is I'll get on the piano, which I'm not a great player, but I'll lay out some basic chords that I like, get the feeling of it, maybe lay a little guide, and then I'll go in and literally sing all the parts to the arrangement. And so when I'm done with an arrangement, it even exists on paper, it's it's fully recorded. And um, I know a few other people that do it that way, but um, some people like to lay down piano parts, and they'll just be plunking the parts on a piano. I find that kind of, I don't know, just cold. It's a cold process because when you bring an arrangement to someone on piano, it's just a bunch of plunkety parts that that don't really work well, like coming from a piano per se. They're very clunky and poundy sounding. And sometimes it's hard to really get the feel when you have that, you know? So I enjoy just singing all the parts so that people can truly get the feel of what this arrangement is sung by the human voice. Cause the human voice is just kind of like polar opposite of the piano. I mean, the piano is a percussion instrument really by definition. So, um, I sing it. I sing the whole thing. And uh, when I deliver it, I just delivered an arrangement last night that was, you know, again, like I normally do. I send an MP3 and here it is, you know. Didn't Michael Jackson compose his music the same way, saying all the parts? Billie Jean is not my love. She's just sick. Probably. I think a lot of me, I think more musicians do that than maybe people realize um, that it comes from here. You know, sometimes it just doesn't come from pen and paper. And and a lot of people like myself, we, we don't have a lot of playing skills. You know, we know enough to just kind of plunk around and stuff, but we're hunting and pecking and for, you know, for notes and chords and stuff. Um, and it makes me completely jealous. I've got friends who are incredible keyboard players and can just, you know, express themselves just on a whim, you know, and I just go, well, okay, <laughs> I suck, you know, and what they, what they somehow enjoy, whatever I bring to the table. And, and, uh, it's just, for me, I always say it just comes from here, you know? Cool. So one thing seeing, and talking to you now, your experience working with Lee Greenwood is a pretty positive one. Seemed like a cool guy. You guys got a great song out of that. And I saw you worked with, like, are all the famous people you've worked with like that or not necessarily? I kind of want to ask you about what's it like to work with Kenny Rogers. I loved Kenny Rogers. Children go where I send thee. How 
shall I send thee? I'm going to send you one by one. Well, Kenny, um, I got to meet him after he had done his vocals, or I think it was, was it after? We all went to Nashville to, to, to meet him. And then I think the, I think we were going to record him was the plan. And I think he was not in good voice. So his engineer producer who he's worked with for years um, said, well, I'll get him. I'll, I'll record him another time. But he ended up coming in because we were recording other guys as well at that same studio. And so he sat in and we discussed the song and, um, was really excited about it. He was pretty frail even at that time. And it's been now, what, a couple of years. Yeah. Um, I think ago that we did it and, um, he, his knees were bad. He was, he was limping pretty hard and the poor guy was, you know, he was feeling his age and, you know, I could, I could tell that this was probably a special moment that there wouldn't be many more years left that he would be in music. And it wasn't that long after that, that he retired. I want to say like, like a year okay. and that he retired. So we're like, Oh my gosh, we got to work with Kenny Rogers, you know? And the, now of course he's passed away just recently. And it's just, uh, it, it's sad to see these icons go, you know, we just had Charlie Daniels pass away too. And home free got to have him on a song as well. fingertips as he rosin up his bow and he pulled the which is a less known cover that they did but they did uh the devil went down to georgia and then he spoke on it as the devil i saw so that. i don't know if you, if you did you see that that's pretty cool um yeah that's pretty neat uh it wasn't I, I that's all we could probably get from him i don't know if he was um, if we were going to get the, we had the, uh, this gal Taylor, what was her last name? Um, I can't remember her last name. She's a, a talented, uh, fiddle player. So she did all the fiddle parts, but he did all the devil spoken parts. That's so cool. Thanks for tuning in to this week's edition of the Mark Sterry Music Podcast. Hope you enjoy the program. We'll see you back here for new podcasts about life and times in the live and local music scene each and every Tuesday. If not before, on iTunes, SoundCloud, and most other places, podcasts are available. Again, please support this week's sponsors, 45th Parallel Distillery, ID Chrysler, Pine City, and the B-Dale Club. This is also a listener-supported podcast. If you'd like to get on board, please visit patreon.com forward slash Mark Sterry Music Podcast. If you enjoyed some musical edits on this show, please head on over to your local record store or do some digging on iTunes and load up on some new songs. Also, if you get a chance, please go check out some live music somewhere. It could be a great and worthwhile experience. Life is short. Go with some fun. Till next time. If tomorrow all the things were gone I'd work for all and I had to start again With just my children and my wife I thank my lucky stars To be living here today 
where the flag still stands for freedom and they can't take that away There ain't no doubt 